Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Board With Each Other, the podcast that looks at board gaming through the lens of playing as a couple, or with a friend you regularly play with, or with a board gaming buddy with benefits. Whatever your setup, we are the podcast for you. I'm joined today by my co-host, uh, lovely wife and player two, Hannah Kelly. And board game, with benef- board game friend with benefits, apparently. <laughs> Hi guys. Uh, I'm your host, Alistair Simpson, and today we are going to be talking about Scythe. Scythe, Scythe, how's it pronounced? Scythe. Is it Scythe or is it Scythe? No, I think you say it weird. Scythe. I'm Death I'm, has a Scythe. It, it's it's the, the, the gif, jif thing all over again, isn't it? <laughs> gif, uh, obviously. So, what is Scythe? Scythe, in its essence, is a area control game so you your your board is your map basically and you have to essentially accumulate victory points through the course of the game the victory points are represented by money um so you have money that you sort of start with and you that you earn throughout the game but then at the end of the game depending on what you've done in the board state you get awarded additional money and that ends up being your victory point total How the game actually plays is you choose one of five factions based in a alternate history 1920s where the First World War was fought with mechs as opposed to in trenches. And how it was fought though, wasn't it? I I think so. Yeah, I need to probably brush up on my history a bit. Giant mechs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you pick one of the five factions loosely based on sort of Eastern European nations. And with that faction, you get a player mat, but you also get a another player mat, which goes below that, which is your, your, your type. So you've got things like industrialist or agriculturalist. And that has a significant uh, impact on gameplay. So it is an asymmetrical game. Not all the factions are the same. They all they all have their own sort of special abilities and special ways of doing things. And essentially, they all play in roughly the same way. So on your turn, you select basically one of four paths on the bottom mat. So you have top actions and bottom actions. And essentially, you pick one to do on that turn. And the following turn, with the exception of the Rusviet faction, you would have to pick something else. So you can't do the same action twice in a row. The actions, the, the top actions are move. So you basically move your people around the map. You produce. So depending on where you have areas under your control, you would produce resources or more workers, which again allow you to spread out more and gain even more resources. You can trade, which allows you to exchange money for, again, resources. Or you could bolster, which basically improves your the, the amount of power you can bring into play when you uh, end up in um, conflict. I think of it as like an in-game currency almost. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's several sort of in-game currencies. There's the, the money itself, which are victory points. There is the resources that you have. There is uh, popularity, so a measure of how much your people like you, which is exceptionally uh, important because it dictates how many victory points you get at the end of the game for each of the things that you have. And there is power, which again goes back to when you come into conflict. After you do that, you can then take a bottom action in the same in the same lane as such. And the bottom actions basically involve you spending your resources to uh, do certain things in the game. So either building mechs, of which you have four, or you can build structures, which all over have their own individual uh, effects. Um, you can enlist, 
Hannah's favourite. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute, which basically involves moving cubes around your mats, and 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 they all have different benefits. And the final one, which is upgrade, which basically allows you to upgrade your maps, uh, your your mats, should I say? So all of the uh, actions that you take start having additional benefits. So, for example, you produce, but you'd also start getting more resources, or you do uh, a bolster action, which would net you more power than before, for example. Uh, you also have a leader miniature on, on the board, and the leader miniature allows you to collect objective tokens. So when you uh, collect an objective token, you don't get anything in sort of victory points, but you uh, draw from a, a separate deck that gives you a thematic encounter where you have a choice of three options. And, you know, the, the, some of them, you, you, usually the first option is quite good, but then you have two other ones which have a payoff. So you'll either spend money to do something or sacrifice popularity in order to achieve something um not a huge amount of theme or text on there but they're they're quite fun and they're they quite of, amusing yeah they had a bit of sort of random element to it the only other thing to really mention that's very important is in the center of the board there is a hex called the factory uh the factory is vitally important when you move there you basically get to draw a factory card which gives you a fifth choice in top and bottom actions each turn uh, the first one there gets to choose from the two, look at both, and it is worth three times that of a normal hex at the end of the game. So if you control it, so if you've got a mech on it or a worker or something like that, then you would get three times. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess at that point, uh, where where the factory usually comes into play is uh, towards the end of the game where people are vying for control. And that brings me to combat. Uh, we have miniatures on a board, which makes me think I'm going to be, you know, invading things and chucking dice and what have you. Uh, combat in Scythe is quite a brief muted affair. You uh, basically have combat cards. Each faction has a certain number of them. They all have a value of from two to five on them. And you have a dial. When you go into combat, you select a value from the dial, which is how many, how much of your power, power uh, you spend in that combat. And you get to combine that with a combat card. You do Sometimes that. more, depending on your yeah, if you, if and you have, and stuff. Yeah, or if you're attacking with multiple mechs or, or characters or whatever. Uh, you do that in secret and then you reveal and the, the higher number basically pays the cost and, and, and wins the combat. All that does is essentially send the loser back to their home square. You don't actually, you don't actually destroy each other's uh, miniatures as such. And an important thing to mention, obviously, is how the game ends. See, he mentions this for you. He never actually mentioned this for me the first time that we played. So when we normally play, Al sits at home and he will read the rules and then I will come in and he'll explain in um, Hannah Lee's so in a way that I can really access it. also means that we don't have to sit there and read the rules together. Um, he explained all of this, but then never actually explained how to end the game or even actually how to score the game. Um, so consider yourself lucky. So dear listener, I'm about to do for you what I did not do for my wife. Um, the game ends as you accomplish certain things in the game and it can be things like uh, bringing out all all your mechs, bringing out all your workers, reaching the maximum in certain tracks like the power and uh, popularity tracks, etc. Um, every time you do one of those things, you have six stars and you place a star. You can't place a star multiple times on one objective as such. Um, and as soon as six stars are placed, the game ends. So you as players basically have control over when you want to end the game. 
And those stars in themselves are worth quite a lot of victory points at the end of the game. So if you manoeuvre a, a way to, to basically get six stars down while the opponent has two or three, you've given yourself a huge head start in the scoring at the end. But it's, it's one of the things that does make that, the game quite interesting is that control element. And a lot of the tactical nous comes from controlling when the game ends, I've found. Um, final thing to mention, I guess, is how long it plays. Uh, in our experience, probably about an hour and a half to two hours, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I reckon that's about right. We've have had a couple of very quick games. Yeah, as I said, by putting stars on the map really, really quickly, sometimes it can end quite quickly. But uh, even when I say quickly, that was about an hour. Uh, and well, that's... if you don't explain the rules to your wife and she's just clapping around. Clapping <laughs> around, yeah. But <laughs> you're merrily gaining stars. So, Hannah, what were your first impressions of Scythe? Well, not great, you didn't explain <laughs> half the rules to me. Um, well, there was one rule that I tried very, very hard to explain. Oh, God, enlisting. <laughs> oh, it's like the bane of my life. I wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats thinking about how to enlist. I have never. I have taught Hannah many, many games over the years, but I've never seen her hit a mental block like she did with a particular rule from this, which is around one of those bottom actions where you enlist. And I just want to say that I'm not stupid, okay? We play some really complicated mm. games and with lots of different things that you can do. But enlisting, I think, is just this complete mental blank. And even if I think about it now, it's kind of like this vague concept. <laughs> I kind of get the point of it and I still screw it up. Okay, well, that aside, how did you find that it played when you first sort of got into it? And Yeah, so, I mean, my overall conclusion is it's not really one of my favourite games to play um i think there was definitely a learning curve not that i think it's particularly complex necessarily to play but there's definitely a real learning curve about what the the, the, the way to achieve your goals and your, your objectives and meet all of those um and so i definitely think that it was one of those things that we had to keep playing mm. to kind of get my head around yeah yeah um I wonder if they reskinned it with elves. <laughs> it might be slightly better. I don't know. <laughs> probably, knowing you. <laughs> probably. Would I find it so difficult? I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, maybe there is a reskinned version with elves. Well, I don't know. Let us know. I'm sure there'll be one on the way. And I'll give it a crack. Yeah. Maybe I'll prefer it. Um, I don't know. what you've, You probably prefer it more than I do. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I, 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 I think from the off, I preferred it to you. Um, I really like the asymmetrical nature of it. I like that the factions all play the same but different, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there is there there is gaps with the the various factions where I imagine it's very very finely balanced. And if you practiced and and sort of got your head around the the machine or the engine behind each of them, then they would all be as good as each other to a certain extent. Uh, but from also what- about play style as well. So again, we recently yeah. played like we played a couple of nights ago um, in preparation for this, and I picked a new faction that neither of us have played with before. Yeah, and it definitely was a oh shit. I can't do what I normally do, yeah. and I think that probably screwed me over a little bit. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think it's some of the some of them do take a few games to sort of get their get your head around what the benefits of their special ability are, as such. Um, but I think when you do get your head round it and the, your your engine starts working, as such, it's immensely satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, when everything can feel very very abstract but when it all clicks into place i don't think there's something else in our collection that scratches that itch for me in the same way um there's a lot of moving parts and when it, it yeah but when they align it's very very satisfying 
Despite it being a competitive game, I think there is an element of you doing your own thing in this. And that might be very, very different if you're playing with more players. But uh, as I said, combat is, is quite muted and, and doesn't, doesn't net you a huge amount of benefit. And sometimes quite a lot of cost if it costs you popularity. Um, so you can play through the majority of the game. In fact, you could theoretically play an entire game without coming into any conflict at all. Mm -hmm. um, you're very much sort of building your own engine. And I think you feel a lot more confident with combat. I mean, that's that's your play style, whereas I tend not to. I tend to go for things like ball control and, and mm. stuff like that. So actually... It's always you that's the aggressor, and actually I could quite happily play without ever crossing paths with you, and that'd be fun. I've got my side of the board, you've got yours, <laughs> you stay over there, stay in your lane. I just can't help myself. There's combat in a game, I will I, I will attack at some point. Yeah. Um, but again, there's not a huge... Aside from if you win a combat, you get an objective star, and you can actually do that twice. There's two, there's, there's two slots for that as such. So the, uh, combat is more a useful tool for controlling when the game ends than it is for actually getting you much... Mm -hmm. during the game obviously there's the the usual conflict over the factory which is usually where you you come into direct contact or just to mess with somebody else's plans if you uh, attack a worker that's not protected by a mech you immediately win albeit at the cost of popularity but it it, it does mean you can it's, you can essentially steal resources from somebody that way so there's an element of that yes but yes people have done that before to me you have they yeah I think that takes us neatly on to uh, <laughs> the next topic I wanted to discuss, which is, uh, Hannah's a very, very good loser. Thank you. Uh, not so much for Scythe. No. <laughs> Scythe, she, I suppose the main feeling that I think of when I think about Scythe is, is, is rage. It makes me really <laughs> irrationally angry in a way that I don't think any other board game does. No, I've never seen you get genuinely quite angry like I did with one particular game we had. Oh, and it was all to do with fucking unnesting as well. <laughs> I thought like, you were going to flip the board. Oh, God. I got it wrong and I, I think I screwed up my, my turn and mm. therefore potentially the game and uh, it just made me very cross. Yeah, I think it might be a combination of uh, the propensity for you to mess up so if you don't sort of think a few turns ahead you can really really mess things up mm -hmm. but then in between that you've got me rampaging around at a mech going ha ha and attacking you and I think that would just push you over the edge yes <laughs> yes I, I think I possibly threatened to divorce you <laughs> I mean that's a, fairly, you. that's a fairly common occurrence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think one thing I haven't mentioned is around expansions we're playing the vanilla version, the mm -hmm. vanilla retail version. So we haven't got any of the expansions. Um, I know that there are several. There's one that just introduces a couple more factions. There's one that introduces airships as well as mechs, which apparently adds quite a significant tactical dimension to it. And is quite, if I remember reading correctly, quite popular with people who, who think it buoys up the combat a little bit, makes it a little bit more exciting. And then there's the, the biggie, which is Rise of Fenris, which is, as far as I understand, an eight-game campaign that you can play through. I'm not sure whether that works as sort of co-op or, or, or faux co-op versus an, an AI. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But um, I know it is quite popular. It is something I might pick up at some point because I think it might add a, a missing dimension for us. But yeah, just to make it clear that we haven't played with any of the expansions. Would you be willing to go back to it with expansions or you? Um, I mean... Obviously, it depends on how much they cost. I definitely think that I would try and... I'd definitely give a legacy-style campaign uh, a, a, a try. Mm. Um, additional factions, meh. Yeah, okay. All right. 
All right, so on that super enthusiastic note, I guess we should score it. <laughs> uh, would you like to go first? All right. So first of all, uh, this is like our general scoring. Um, so components. In terms of components, I have to say it's probably one of the nicer box sets that I think we have. Um, mm-hmm. The like every uh, everything comes with its own little containers. Uh, it came with baggies, which made you very happy. Yes, yeah, I do like a game that comes with already with baggies. I don't have to go and buy more. Um, I think the miniatures are also really nice. And you know what's amazing is it all fits neatly back in the box. Any other box we have of miniatures, I'm looking at our board game shelf now, mm. it ends up sticking out like half an inch. <laughs> this, not Gloomhaven, I'm looking at you. Oh my God, that's just, yeah. yeah. Um, but this all fits really neatly back in the box. Um, yeah. And the board also, I think, is really good quality. Which yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. I'm kind of heartbroken the first time we bought Arkham Horror and we got it out and I think we possibly broke the board the first time we played with it. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Um, but it's a really nice thick sturdy board so I like that yeah um, yeah I would agree with all of that I think uh, the miniatures for the faction leaders are great they, they, they're they nice they're quite detailed um, I was a little bit disappointed by the, the mech miniatures because I was expecting maybe something a little bit more bigger detailed and composing I don't, I don't know it wouldn't have fitted in the box though well it would have just been a bigger box <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like my miniatures um, so that's the only the, the only bit I've got any issue with the rest of the components are really really good quality i also like that it comes with uh plastic trays for the resources yeah which is really it keeps it nice and neat when it's at the table you don't have to come up with a sort of another solution for that the the player mats are also really well made they're really sturdy they're thick um and it fits really nicely again so it doesn't take up the entire room when we play it fits quite nicely on our table like we don't have to like pull the table out or anything like that so yeah yeah we can we we don't have to get the full table out like we do for for some of them and stripped down and set up is really quick actually yeah once you know what you're doing you can get the box out and be playing within 10 minutes which for a game of that complexity is actually quite nice um it sets up really really as long as you've got all your components separated in the right way it sets up really quickly um save a strip down that perhaps takes a slight slightly longer because you need to put everything back in its relative bags and whatnot but yeah it sets up very quickly so what would you score it um eight i have scored it a seven just for my vague amount of disappointment mm. on the, the the mech miniatures all right so what about complexity then well, this is always an interesting one, isn't it? Because do we do we rate something that's complex highly, or do we rate something that's complex low? I think it's more around rating something low when we feel it's overly complex for the amount of fun you have. And we also look at things like the potential to argue about rules and analysis paralysis as such, and all that all that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think the more impenetrable, the more difficult it is to get your head around for whatever reason, the lower you would score it. Mm. I think if it is suiting a need if it if it works for you even if it is that you like something that's quite complex and yeah yeah i think yeah it's down to our each of our personal preferences i think there can be games that are overly complex that don't really serve the game as such and that's what i think would i would score low just because something's very very complex and involved i don't think i'd score that lowly it's just like is it is it worth it as such so what are your thoughts on on scythe around that yeah, so I've got a lot of thoughts on science about complexity. Um, I've talked before about how I have analysis paralysis, and I think Scythe absolutely hits and triggers all my worst um, issues uh, around AP. So what I would say is that your top action 
on uh, what you can do, say move, produce, etc. That's fairly limited. And so in order for you to achieve any of your objectives or any of the things that you need to do to get your stars, mm. you're going to have to take at least four or five turns to do. Mm. But actually, you've got so many that you need to do that when you start out, it is just this huge big potential for what you could do and I just yeah. get absolutely overwhelmed by it. Mm. I sit there and I'm like, well where do I start? Mm. And I think then that I can do so little certainly early on before you've got any of your upgrades or you've enlisted no enlisted doesn't do that, does mm. it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, still still I struggle with enlisting. Um it just means that I get stuck in my own head mm. so very quickly. Fair enough. Um and for me that's that's a problem, okay. I think. What I'd also say as well is that we've played a lot of games that have got quite complex rules or um, have got rules where you take a series of actions mm-hmm. um, and there are different phases to play. But what I would say is that for Scythe, I, I don't feel that there's a, a flow... I would disagree with that. I think once oh, really? you get yeah, I think once you get into the flow, there is definitely one there. How on earth does building a monument have anything to do with trading? Well, it doesn't, but obviously it has this imp- what you choose to do on one turn has its impacts on another. Yeah, see, I just feel like it's a bit disjointed, and that's mm. probably why I was thinking about this today. I think this is probably why I struggle with the whole concept of enlisting. Like, mm. I feel like it's just this weird thing. On its own, I've never really got. How does that relate? It doesn't to the, slot into the engine as such for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. then you read this card, and it says, "This is like one of those bonus cards, um, objective, objective cards." And it says, "Enlist a recruit." I'm like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And Al just sort of rolls his eyes at me. He's like, "I know it means enlist." Mm. Like it just it doesn't feel joined up for you. Joined up for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's obviously where we we differ. I do agree with you around the the start of the game and oh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think th- that wide open feel, but I think this speaks to a lot about how we play. I I don't think about things at all for a lot. No, I just do. Yes, but I think in some ways that actually helps me in this because yes. uh, I'm allowed to get off the traps quite quickly, and then I start making decisions based on where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I don't get locked down and trying to weigh up options overly, and and, yeah. and you know, and so far with our games, that's actually stood me in quite good stead. I think, yeah. whereas I think you get a bit lost in your own head and mm-hmm. and start second guessing yourself, and because you're second guessing yourself, you don't commit to something. Yeah, and you start jumping and hopping around, which from what I've seen is poison in this. You you, yeah. you will end up losing if you do that. You need to do something and then just commit to it. Um, or actually I overcommit to it and that's the thing like that is what I'm going to do I'm going to build a um, mech and be damned I'm going to build my goddamn mech yeah. regardless of how much that costs me yeah, yeah. and what and you won't what deviate any... from that path yeah. whereas perhaps you should yeah, yeah. okay alright interesting so how would you score it so <clears throat> I'm going to score it a 5 I don't think like the actual rules are really difficult in fact I would probably say that in terms of explaining it aside from the fact that I didn't explain how to win it was probably one of the quicker games to explain mm-hmm. and I think it's very quick to get your head round I think it's quite challenging to master and be really yeah. good at it yeah. but for me it's the AP factor like it's mm. just it blows my mind okay yeah I mean I would agree with that I think the core rules are not actually that complicated it's just there are so many variants and, and, and options um, not to the certain extent where you you know the, those classic like really easy to pick up hard to master games like Carcassonne mm. for instance obviously it's a lot more complicated than that but there is that element of it where 
it's more around the the, the the number of choices available to you than the actual core rules of the game. That are you complex. know, June. You know they have mentats. Yes. I'm not a fucking mentat. <laughs> Neither am I. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, okay, all right. So you scored it a five. I would give it a seven, personally. Um, I understand the capacity for for AP. I understand the complexity involved but I, I i for me personally i think it flows quite well yeah all right shelf life um so i think i mean you may have picked up on this it's not my, probably my favorite game in the whole wide world ever therefore it's probably not the game that i'm going to automatically reach to mm. however i do think there are lots of combinations so you've got different factions that you can play I think even if you play the same faction but your opponent plays a different faction, well, actually, that completely changes the board state as to whether you're next to each other and into combat lots. Mm. So I do think you could replay it lots. Whether I wanted to or not was a different question. Okay. And what about sort of the value for money end of the spectrum? Um, yeah. I mean, we've played, what, probably seven or eight games yeah, with this I would now. Say so. yeah. And I think it will stay in our rotation for a long time. It's just that we won't play it. We're not going to go through a week where we play it like five times. Yeah, that's never going to yeah. happen. Whereas with Marvel Champions, mm. yes, absolutely, and it has. Yeah, yeah, fine. And we have. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the replayability is there just because of the endless permutations and, and the board state. Um, although there are issues with that at two-player, I think, which I'll get on to in the next section. I yeah. think I'll, I'll leave that aside. But you have got you have got five five factions with five different combinations of, of uh, type that you can use. I think it was very good value for money. For a game that included some miniatures, it was actually really cheap. Miniatures usually immediately boots uh, games over like the sort of the, the 50 60 pound mark and um i think when i picked this up it was it was sub 50 quid which i thought was uh <laughs> 50 pounds for our american listeners um <laughs> which I, I i thought was was reasonably good value and i think for what you get in the box and the value of the components i think that's that that definitely does push it up for me yeah um so i with that in regard again i gave it a seven well, so I gave it a five, but I think that's more yeah. to do with the, how much I would want to replay it. Yeah, which is fine. This is your personal score. That's fine. Thanks. Okay. So fun. Mm. How much fun do you have playing it? I have a lot of fun playing it. <laughs> I, 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 I'd like this game. Um, as I said before, the I get an enormous amount of satisfaction from when things start clicking into place and working. So I probably say the second half of the game I find a lot more fun than the first. I think mm-hmm. the first can feel a little bit rote times where you just you you got to do things and you do them. But I think as the game opens up and it gets into its second half and your your engine starts running, uh, I find that immensely satisfying. Yeah, I don't, um, Kelsey Breeze. Um, again, maybe if we, we skinned it with elves, perhaps. <laughs> but um, no, I definitely don't find it as fun. And I think what I also find really frustrating is, for example, the last game that we played, I made a series of poor choices early on. That screwed the entire game for me. Yeah, that, game, after, yeah. that game was over a third of the way through. Wasn't yeah, it? so after about 20 mm. minutes, I was like, I fucked this. Mm. And I was like, I'm not going to quit because I really like playing this game and we're going to continue playing it. But also, like, kind of my heart was out of it, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although, having, I have to say, of the games we played, the seven day games we played, that's the only time I think that's happened. 
most of the time uh, it, it's been a lot more difficult to tell who's 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 winning yeah actually yeah i would completely agree with that and i think that's another thing that also could be because you have so much choice you don't have so much choice but you can artificially end the game so mm. i've done it because i didn't want to lose terribly mm. i was like enough's mm. enough right yeah, let's, let's end this let's yeah. end this so i did that and equally, it becomes really difficult to work out whether you are winning and whether you should call time or yeah. whether you should keep going and keep pushing. Yeah. Because actually, you use your popularity rating as a multiplier. Mm. And actually, that becomes really complicated because you, you've got to do... Again, I'm not a fucking mentat. <laughs> I can't work this out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it, almost that, that hidden um, hidden VP value, I think, is really... VP? Victory point oh, value yeah, okay, is okay. really um, useful in this because it, it does sort of prevent people from knowing who's in the lead. I think um, I saw last time we played it, actually, there's a little... Uh, variant in the rule book, which basically says if you spend more than somebody clearly spends more than five minutes trying to work out who's winning, there's massive penalties that you oh, impose really? on them. Yeah, yeah. So the whole point, one of the points of the game is you should not be able to, at a glance, at least tell who's winning. Um, which I think Except is quite cool. Except for our game the other night. Yeah, very that, was, that was very, was very, very clear. As the tears rolled down my cheeks. I don't get to win many games, dear listeners. <laughs> Hannah's a lot better at games than I am, so I, I just reveled in my victory the last time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one one thing we should talk about, I guess, in this is, as well as theme. Uh, while the, the core theme of oh, this is an alternate history 1920s with the mechs is, is cool... I was kind of expecting a bit more. Even the encounter cards don't really give you a scenario. They just give you an outcome. Mm -hmm. So the theme, despite the miniatures and despite the art style, actually feels quite light. Which, again, is something I wonder the, if the campaign expansion would, would, would plug that hole as such. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I actually mark it down a little bit because of the theme. The, the theme's not as strong as I thought it would be. Or you hoped it would have been. I hoped it would be, yeah. yeah. And because of that, there's very little emergent storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that, but yeah. Um, so for me, I scored it a five. I, I, like, I want to say that I do still enjoy playing it. I just got to be in the right headspace for it. Mm. If I've got a lot of stuff that's going on in my life, mm. um, then it's probably not going to be the game that I pick. I've got to be in a good headspace for it. And I have had some amazing games that mm. I've really enjoyed. It's just not what I would necessarily go to. Okay. I scored an eight. Mm. Yeah, it fits. Yeah. Okay, so that gives us a general score of 6.5, but we always round up, so that will be a 7, which is the same as Marvel Champions, I believe, which is... No! Surprising, to say the least. Maybe we're very inconsistent in our ratings. <laughs> Perhaps, or, you know, I gave it a lot of 7s. Yeah, so, so I that's... gave it a lot of 5s. Mm. Which yeah. I think is probably a fair split. Like, you you give, like you, it a lot more than I do. Yeah, you did give a 1-8, didn't you? Wasn't yes, it? components. Yeah. Oh, that pushed it up there, didn't it? Okay, uh, so go to go on to our couple slash two-player ratings. The first one is Table Talk. So this is around dead time, getting to know the person, how much you, you, you chat and interact during the game. Absolutely rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely horrendous. Um, and maybe this is because it's me, again, who sits there for a really long time working out what the fuck I'm going to do next. But absolutely no, there is no Table Talk. I don't think it's just you in this, on this occasion. I think it is uh, a game that is very much around building your own engine, and the game doesn't force you to, to directly interact very much at all. 
you know, there's no there's no trading. There's very little combat there, particularly particularly with two players. You can, if you start at the opposite end of the map, you can pretty much go the whole game without really being having to encounter each other. You know, you just sort of spread out in your own little area. Mm. I think this is one of the things as well about it being us playing as a two player. I think sometimes, and maybe it's because I haven't played it enough and I still obviously haven't got my head around it. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. I need to pay more attention to what it is that other people are doing. I think the more players you had, the more you'd have to pay attention to what other people are doing. Yeah, that's true. I don't have the space for that. To well, do that. it's the same with any game. You, you have to master your own play before you start paying too much attention to what other people are doing, particularly with engine builders. You know, you, 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 you've, you've got to get it working for you before mm. you can even start thinking about counteracting or countering what somebody else is doing. I don't think, honestly, either of us are there yet with it. No, but I think if you did go up to that level and you were like quite hardcore players, mm. then you're going to have even less table talk because you're going to have to pay attention to yeah. what everybody yeah. else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is very much, I think, a solitary game mm. um, rather than... Than one that sort of makes you interact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what did you give it? Three, which I think is generous. <laughs> okay. I gave it five. Okay. All right. Okay, so then competitiveness. So yes, you are competing against each other, but at the same time, if there's very little touch points, I think, in terms of, you know, combat or vying for um, uh, control of the board, Mm. then actually you don't really have that same level of competitiveness. I feel like I'm playing the game on my own and I've just got to beat your score rather than I'm actively fighting you. Yeah, you see, I, I disagree with you. Yeah, I agree with you on the point around the interactivity, but, but I think we I think we dealt with that in the last category. I think where the competitiveness of this comes is that core better score than you. And I think uh, if you are playing with the same person and you're both into it and you keep playing it, I imagine by sort of game 20... Some of the uh, the conflicts in terms of who does better could become rather epic, because as your skill and understanding of the game improves, I think the ceiling for how competitive you could theoretically get with this would be very very high, because you'd start to become almost perfectionist with it. And yeah, actually, and I probably agree with that. So again, I think the last game that we played was a bit of a a null for me. Yeah. But actually, when we really got into the swing of it, so we were actively both kind of, you know, doing well. Mm. That that was really quite cool and that was quite fun. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think as, as things develop, as your skill in it develop, because it is very sort of skill-based and you will get better at it the more you mm. play it, I could see it becoming almost uh, sort of chess-like where you, you know, you, you, you become very competitive with the other person you keep playing with yeah. because you know you're at a similar skill level. And actually points in it, I imagine, can be quite small. Yeah, I imagine, yeah, I imagine the score gaps become smaller and smaller yeah. the more you play it. I think it is worth mentioning that it's one of those games that if one person played with the, the other, so if you, if for instance, I started playing it online or something like that... Um, you would get a skill gap quite quickly. I think if you're going to embark on this journey as a a, a two-player setup, you need to ensure that you're both playing it as much as each other. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise it would just turn into an absolute spanking every time you brought absolutely. it to the table. This is not the 
person you've just met and been dating for three or four months and you want to introduce them to a game, this is not it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that, there's that element of it, but yeah. I think Unless it, maybe you like a good spanking, who knows? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't king shame here. <laughs> um, I think it, it is, but it is vitally important that you don't, somebody doesn't go off and play like five or six games without the other because that, that will be it. Yeah. You know, that will that will put a complete stop to it. So if there is a, a chance that you would play, one of you would play it with, with different people or somebody's going to a board game night where they're playing it, um, it's probably not a good choice in that regard. Agreed. But that aside, I think the, the, the ceiling for the competitive nature of it around scoring at least is really high. So I've actually given it an eight. So I gave it a six. Okay, all right. That kind of tracks with your sort of feelings and opinions of, of mm-hmm. it. So yeah, fine. Um, final one is scalability and FOMO, fear of missing out. So this is where we look at a game and think, would it be better with more people? Are we missing something because we were not playing it with three or four or five? Um, what I would say is this is probably one of the few games in our collection that we've not played with multiple. No. So we, we don't know this for certain. That no. said, part of me would really like to try it mm. with more people. I would agree. I think, just from my experience of board gaming, playing this, I imagine that four people is a sweet spot for this. Mm-hmm. It would force you to interact. It would add a lot more tactical depth to it. You'd have to combat more because you would be fighting over for resources. Yeah, and I think it would, if somebody did run away with it, like I did our last game, I think that Someone would be quite would... obvious that somebody else would try and scupper my plans a little mm-hmm. bit so it would have that bit of a foil and you wouldn't have somebody just shooting off and just winning the game straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this in this case, I, I, I honestly do think it is crying out for more people. However, what I would also say is that because there is a lot of dead time and because there isn't a huge amount of table talk I think if I look at our friends and if I look at the way in which we play my worry would be that what would happen is while you were taking your turn me and somebody else would go off we'd have a conversation and because turns can take a while when you're me and you're thinking about it quite a lot that actually you wouldn't necessarily all retain that same focus I feel like it'd be really difficult to keep people on focus and on track I think it depends on the person I think if somebody was into it they'd very much want to pay attention to what somebody else was doing um, yeah. so yeah I'm not but that's sure. not necessarily the way that board games always play when you're playing is no it? not necessarily I, th- I think you would need somebody who was very into yes. thinky Euro yes. board games to keep them engaged I think if you put this in front of somebody who is, who is perhaps more sort of casual about the games that they play I think they could potentially lose interest quite quickly but again it, it's dependent on the person really isn't yeah. it Okay, um, I mean, for that, I gave it a four, because yeah. I do think it's crying out for people. So I people. gave it a four as well, and okay. I think we decided that we were going to score this low if we felt that actually... It, it was, we did feel like we were missing out yeah. a bit, which yeah. I do feel like we're missing out a bit with this one, playing yeah. it as a two. So that gives us an overall two-player slash couple rating of five. Yeah. Which feels about right to me. Um, I think it's a very good game. I don't think it is the best two-player game. No, absolutely agreed. So, I mean, in general, quite a difference of opinion there. Um, yeah. Won't be the last time, I'm sure. Uh, I, th- I do think we we have different <laughs> different levels of affection for it, which is fair to say. Uh, but we do agree with uh, 
its coupleability rating, for want of a better term, which uh, is really what this podcast is about. If you are playing as a two-player or a couple, you might want to consider something else. Yeah, unless perhaps maybe this actually scratches all your itches and you like... <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't like to judge. Um, <laughs> um, and if you like those kind of games where you're working quite separately and there's mm. that huge amount of conversational dialogue, then maybe this is a game for you. Yeah, perhaps. So, that brings us to the end of Scythe. Um, Scythe. 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 I've got to put a Twitter poll up. Um, so uh, Twitter Twitter poll mentioning there if you want to interact with us we have a Facebook group we have our Twitter we have our Insta so please feel free to continue the conversation on there I'd love to hear how you all think what you all think of this uh, if you've had similar experiences or perhaps we are the outliers here and everybody thinks it's fantastic as a two player game um and if you listen to us on your the podcast medium of choice, if you'd leave us a review, that'd be very, very much appreciated. I think next time we are going to be talking about Stardew Valley. Are we? I think so. That's yes. I'm excited about that. <laughs> so until next time, have fun, be good to each other, and play lots of games.